Stand with us tonight as we worship the Lord and celebrate his faithfulness. He's good, isn't he? Yeah. Sing this with us. We have this confidence in Jesus. His blood has brought us into freedom. He will save us. Faithful and true in our weakness, 
working. He'll never stop. Cause he's so faithful. He's so good. Oh. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I
the demons run and flee at the mention of your name king of majesty there is no
you give us a greater glimpse of your holiness so completely other like you can feel it so just beautiful to worship our God together so good I'm Benson if I haven't got the chance to meet you I'm part of the team here and I love that at the very beginning of our just time together we come into worship we offer praise and then we come around our time of giving and tithes uh, just to kind of like center ourselves before we get into anything else in the evening. And as we were singing that first song, um, our team just released it today. Um, yeah. The name of it is Faithful and True. Faithful and True. And I was thinking about Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua for 40 years journeyed with the Israelites. And for those 40 years, he knew God to be faithful and true every step of the way. And the book of Joshua opens up in Joshua 3, 5. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And some translations say, for tomorrow God will do a miracle among you. And I don't know, it's the beginning of the year. 
for the Israelites, for Joshua, as he's saying this, he's literally on the banks of the Jordan River, hoping for a miracle, that it would be parted. And we're just saying, he makes highways in our valleys. And I don't know what this year has for you, but what I do know, like Joshua said, consecrate yourself, set yourself apart, bring yourself as a living sacrifice before God, before he does any miracle, and just trust that he's already working, that he's already done the work before you, because tomorrow he'll do wonders among you. Amen? Amen? We're going to pray real quick. There are four ways to give. They'll be on the screen, but join me as we, as we pray. Jesus, God, we humble ourselves before you right now. God, we bring ourselves as a living sacrifice in your presence right now, God. God, committing ourselves to your purpose, to your plan. We don't know what, what, what tomorrow holds, Lord, but we know that you hold it, Lord, that you're, you've gone before us and that you're already working out miracles among us and wonders among us, Lord Jesus. So we thank you, Lord God. And before, before we go any further, Lord, we just want to continue to give you praise and to lift up your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue in worship. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will. Can you feel the spirit of the Lord here tonight? 
thick. There's anticipation. There's something that happens when the people of God come to church ready. God will meet us however we come, but when we come to the church ready and expectant, like you're pulling it out of the Lord. And so I feel that in the room tonight. There's a great expectation. And also, I mean, week three, like you made us add 50 chairs to the room this week because you just keep coming. And the first Friday night of the year, as I spoke, I challenged this congregation to be here 40 Fridays this year. And, and so someone came up to me after the service and they said, only 30 more, uh, 39 more to go, you know? Anyway, but you're doing it, and so welcome. I hope you feel comfortable here. If you're new, we'd love to meet you after the service at Guest Central in the back. We have a gift for you, and we also have a lot of young moms here, and I just wanted to let you know there's a table in the back. We've got an incredible group called Moms Connect. And starting February 6th and February 8th, there's going to be a morning meeting and an evening meeting of these great moms, some older women who've logged miles with the Lord, some younger women who are just getting started. So if that's you and you want to find some community there, swing by the table in the back for Moms Connect after the service. Now, take two minutes, cross the aisle, hug a neck, shake a hand, be kind to one another, and then I'll come open the Bible. One, two, three, go. All right, all right, all right. Yes. Matthew McConaughey. What? Okay. Some of you got that. Others of you are like, get out of the flesh, pastor. Get out of the Lord. Um, 
Grab your seats if you would. Uh, we are in week two of a series here going through the Gospel of John, and we're going to truck through the Gospel of John past Easter, just the week past Easter. So uh, Jordan Victoria Lewis invited you last week to read this gospel with us. And so let's just make that a part of our textual track that we're on reading together, the gospel of John. While I'm at it, can we give it up for the Jordan Victoria Lewis for that sermon last week? I I got to listen to it, Lisa and I were out of the country, got to listen to it and it was excellent. And while it was going on, someone here in the room texted me and said, why don't you stay and take another week off? I said, I said, okay, mom, thanks. Um, I'm just kidding. That wasn't my mom, but um, Jordan, great job. We love you. Love seeing the gift of God on your life. Um, Victor and Prem are over here, and they're about to have their first baby. Stand up, Victor and Prem. Stand up real quick. Okay. So these two have grown up around here. I don't have any memories. I've been around New Life for 20 years. I don't have any memories without the two of them just running around here like little kids. And they're going to have this awesome baby. And Pastor Brady said it this week. He goes, Victor and Preem, their baby is going to be born with a smile on its face. (laughs) And so we just, as you're getting ready, Preem, we bless you. You are such a gift and we can't wait. So we speak blessing over labor and delivery and all God's peace, and we can't wait to dedicate that little baby here. One more time for Victor and Preem. Give it up. Okay, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 2? And what I'm going to do is read you the first 11 verses out of John 2, and then I'll pray, and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord out of John chapter 2. This is the first miracle of Jesus. So let's pay attention, let's press in, let's see what God wants to say to us. On the third day, everyone say the third day. (laughs) On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother, Mary, was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine, get to work. And Jesus said, woman, now in the Greek, this isn't like some patriarchal flex, you know, woman, shut up, you know, it's not what he said. Basically saying, hey, mom, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And his mother didn't even respond to the son of the living God. She ignored him. And she looks to the servants, the workers, the people working the wedding, and she says, do whatever my son tells you. Jesus, do something. Woman, it's not my time. She ignores him. Do whatever he says. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Okay, flag that. The, The stone jars are used for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. These are gargantuan water pots. Jesus said to the servants, go fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew what was going on. 
And then the master of the banquet called the bridegroom aside and said, I can't believe you're spending this money, this much money on your reception. Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then everyone sort of gets a little happy and then they bring the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his what? Glory. And his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, would you do it again tonight? Here we are. And we've got our cups of water. We've got what we've managed to bring. We've strung it together. We made it another night. We're here. But we're running out of our own resources. We're running out of our own energy. We're running out of our own strength. We're running out of our own wisdom. We're running out of our own capacity to think on our feet and to make life happen. Jesus, we're thirsty. And we need you to bring us into your gift tonight. So we pray that you would do it again. Turn the water into wine all over again tonight. Jesus, have your way here. Be the master of ceremonies. Be in charge of this night, we pray, Jesus. Let your word go forth and let it become more. I do not have nearly enough. None of us do. So King Jesus, we say, come and have your way here tonight. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. I grew up and if you drank, you was going straight to hell. Like straight to hell. And so it was really strange for me. This wasn't because of my parents. It was more the kind of Christian culture that we were in in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was great. I, I loved it. it was, I, I'm grateful that I wasn't around it. And, and, but, you know, I got to John 2 when I was sort of of reading age. And I read this first miracle of Jesus and it puzzled me. And so I was just sure with the Baptist, the conservative Baptist, I was sure that Jesus turned this water into grape juice, right? And because I knew Jesus didn't want to go to hell. And so, uh, so you know, of course, he, he, he does a party trick and whoo, boom, and it's cool. And they all laugh and they're all shocked and they go, that's really great. But, but I actually think Jesus turned the water into wine that night and gave these people a great gift. And I wanna suggest to you that the first miracle of Jesus shows us what the end of all things will be like. Okay, so just let me develop that for some time here. But the first miracle of Jesus, this is the chronology, right? The ministry of Jesus, his first sign, shows us what the end of all things, when God makes all things new. I think this miracle gives us a glimpse of what the end of all things will be like. John is writing this book, and at the end of the book, he tells us why he's written this gospel. He gives us his purpose statement in the 20th chapter. He waits until the very end. He's told all of these stories and all of the signs and all of the crucifixion and all of the heartache and all of the miracles and the life. And at the end of the story, he gives us a purpose statement for why he's written this gospel. And he says in John 20, Verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these things, these stories, including the story that we read tonight, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So this story tonight was written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, 
the Messiah, and that by believing we might find life through his name. So I know I need more life tonight. I know that I need to be raised up tonight. I need to be healed by Jesus tonight. So John wants us to know Jesus. He wants us to know what Jesus is about. He wants us to know that Jesus is Messiah. But we should not reduce these miracles of Jesus to cheap party tricks. I think there's a deep theological statement happening here in this miracle. I'll I'll say miracles are not just signs of his divinity. They are signs of his divine intentions for all creation. Okay? They're not just, boom, cool. Oh, God can do, you know, you know, gotcha. Jesus is not doing a gotcha. This is not just a sign of his divinity. These signs are signs of his divine intentions for all of creation. So what do we learn tonight through this story? What do we learn about Jesus, the God-man, from this water-to-wine miracle story? I'll tell you four things that I think we learned tonight. There's, there's more that I could say. But I'm gonna simplify it and say four things that I think this story tells us about Jesus. We learn about the joy of Jesus. We learn about the joy of Jesus. I will say that an angry God will not heal the world. I will say to you that an angry church will not be a part of the healing of the world. And I will say to you we are living in an age of rage and there are a handful of people on the planet who get paid really well for all of us to be mad. They're incentivized to make us crazy. They're incentivized to make us hate one another. They're incentivized to make us lay in bed at night refreshing, looking for the next bit of of bad news and doom scroll and, and live with our furrowed brow and live looking over our shoulder and live pointing our finger against our brothers and sisters. And I'll just tell you, anger will not heal the world, but joy will. Anger won't lead to everlasting life, but joy will. The joy of the Lord will be your what? So if the joy of the Lord will be your strength, what will the anger of the devil do to us? It'll make us weak. It'll make us depleted. It'll make us broken down. It will drain a hole in the bottom of our bucket where the life ebbs away from us. The joy of the Lord will be our strength. And in this text, we get a sense of the joy of Jesus. First, remember the scene. We're at a wedding. A party. Now, now weddings, cool, great. I've, I've done 105 weddings. Fantastic. They've all been fun. Mostly, I would say mostly. I would say about 95 of them have been fun. The other 10, I was sorting out family dynamics and I needed a cigarette after you know, I, and I don't even smoke, right? So I'm not going to tell you which 10 were, anyway, most of them are fun. And a wedding's great, and you plan real hard, and it's like a great day, right? A Hebrew wedding, a Hebrew wedding is a week-long celebration. And they just find reasons to party. And they find reasons to have like six-hour meals. And they find reasons to walk the streets. In fact, the male would leave his parents' house, right? For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father, and the two shall become one flesh. In a Hebrew wedding, he would leave his parents' house with his recession of his best friends. 
And they would go and they would have music and song all along and they would dance through the streets and the whole community, the town would get caught up into the processional to the bride's house and he would go and knock on the door and basically say, let's go. Let's build a beautiful life together. I mean, can you, like, we drive to our cars and guys put on a suit and, and, you know, eat some snacks in the back room and we go out and the wedding's over and we dance to Bruno Mars for like 30 minutes and then it's over. Right? Everyone gets unsaved for like one hour. So weddings are cool, but the Hebrews know how to party at a wedding and they know that it's a week-long celebration and they know they've got to slow down and enter into the joy. They shut down their jobs. They shut down all of the stuff that you have to do to keep life going. They let someone else harvest their fields if it's harvest time, but they're going to spend the week partying. Why? Because it's going to be joy that heals the world. And God wants to give us joy. Jesus is at a wedding and he multiplies the wine. It's this, the the week-long party signals a social status that the new family is taking their place in the community. And weddings were such joyous occasions that they they, they were used. Weddings are used in scripture to describe the messianic age to come. That when Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, splits the eastern sky and returns in all of his power and great glory and his eyes are burning like fire and his voice is like the sound of many rushing waters. The, 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 the writers were trying to say, what's it going to be like? And the best they could do is they, they said, it's gonna be like a great feast. It's going to be the wedding supper of the lamb of God. A week-long party. Jesus is at this wedding and we get a sense of the joy of Jesus. And I'll just say it this way. You should take every holy opportunity to celebrate, every opportunity to celebrate that comes your way. Every holy opportunity. Let me just kind of tease that out because we're living in an age of debauchery. We're living in an age of of cheap pleasure. We're living in an age of of perversion and desecration. We're living in an age that these people didn't have bars back then, so Jesus could multiply the wine. Why? Because it's a community thing and they're home and they're not driving and they're like staying together. They're, They're traveling together all week long. Why? He wants them to have what they need, but we look for cheap joy and we go belly up to a bar some way, somewhere, and we think we're gonna be happy and Jesus is watching us and saying, I want to give you joy, but you're signing up for the cheap, perverse version of it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Stay with your people. Stay in your community. Stay in the presence of God. Look for every holy opportunity you can to celebrate and watch the joy of Jesus break out among the people. My in-laws are here and They are two of my favorite people on the planet. And today's my mother-in-law's birthday. Can you just say good job, Linda Wakely? I mean, they produced the most unbelievable woman on the planet. And I just, for that, I just say, God, I love you forever. And they're celebrating their 55th anniversary this year. And so I, I told Lisa last week before they came, I said, for your mom's birthday and to celebrate their anniversary, I want us to get them a room at the Broadmoor. Yeah. 
because they would never do it for themselves. They just, they're just practical and they wanna serve and they wanna help and we can make breakfast for the kids and we'll do laundry and we'll just help. They're helpers, they're helpers. And I said, they need to go away and celebrate. And so they stayed at the Broadmoor last night. And friends, we just have to find every reason to celebrate that we can. And we've gotta honor people who've been faithful. And we've gotta honor people who've loved Jesus over the decades. And we've got to find every holy opportunity to celebrate in a world that is drunk on anger. Can you say amen tonight? So I wanna challenge you. Some of you live with roommates. Find ways to create a party and to welcome the presence of Jesus. Don't chase the cheap version. Receive the true gift of God's joy. Read the scriptures and laugh and tell stories and pray and, and put on good music. You some Michael W. Smith or something, you know? Michael W. And just celebrate, laugh. Find every reason. I'll I'll say to you, those who are married, I will say, please find ways to enjoy your marriage. Please find ways to give each other the gift of each other's presence. Please find ways. The, the, The enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy, and it's difficult enough already. You have to, joy doesn't happen on accident. So plan to celebrate, plan to create time. Let's be the body of Christ that enters into the gift of God's joy. And this story tonight, Jesus multiplying or taking the water and turning it into wine shows us the joy of Jesus. The second thing, in this story, we learn about the generosity of Jesus. Jesus does not skimp by. Jesus doesn't play it safe. Jesus isn't like concerned. Jesus knows who he is. He knows where he comes from. He knows the the unending treasures of his father's bounty in heaven. Jesus knows this is my father's world and it's a good world. And there are vines out there that are producing. Jesus knows that that there's just blessing all around and Jesus enters into the generosity of God in this story. We see that there are six stone water pots. 20 to 30 gallons each, which means he had 120 to 180 gallons of vino. That's crazy to me. But we've got hundreds of people who are a part of a week-long celebration. And they're local. They're staying together. And and they, they know not to enter into cheap perverse uh, versions of joy. They're just celebrating, they're entering in. And so Jesus gives provision for the week and there's abundance and there's blessing. And, and, and they said, right, the master of the banquet, he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best for last. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? Jesus doesn't like, give us a quick burst of joy and then make us eke it out for the rest of our lives. Jesus, he just keeps taking us from glory to glory and strength to strength. I'm not saying life will always be easy. We all know that that doesn't pass the eye test. But I am saying that Jesus will continue to take us into joy. And and they said, you saved the best wine for last. I I reached out to a friend who's kind of a a vino guy. He's he's totally holy, but he knows wine. And I said, what's your favorite bottle? And he told me the bottle and I Googled it and I looked it up online. It's a hundred dollar bottle. And, and um, so, you know, okay. If that's how you want to spend your money, that's great. Hundred dollar bottle. And so think about this. 
the equivalent of what Jesus multiplied water into wine, 120 to 180 gallons, it's safe to say that it would be the equivalent of 908 bottles. Like today, how we bottle. 908 bottles, my friend buys a $100 bottle when he has a closing or something. And so that's, that's $90,800 worth of vino right there. I'm just, you see what I'm saying? Jesus throws them a party. Jesus gives them blessing. Jesus gives them provision. Jesus gives them the excess of heaven. Jesus gives them joy. Jesus gives them his generosity. Why? Because God is not chintzy. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff. They comfort me and you what? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the God who wants our cups to overflow with his abundance, with his blessing, with his joy, with his favor, with his life. And this story right here takes us into the generosity of Jesus. And it's not just financial generosity. I'm talking about generosity of spirit. I'm talking about generosity of time, generosity of energy, generosity of kindness, generosity of slowing down. Jesus let himself be interrupted in this story. It wasn't his time. And I genuinely, Jesus wasn't lying. Jesus wasn't making this up. It wasn't his time to start his ministry, but he saw a need and he, he honored his mother. Hey boy, get your butt to work. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> The generosity of Jesus, he lets himself be interrupted. And the people that I love being around are the people who have generous spirits, who are generous with their time, who are prayerful, who are kind, who are encouraging. Every time they walk into the room, they make it better. Jesus is the one in this story who shows us what the generosity of God is like. And the generosity of God turns the environment that you're in into a party. And in our world that is desperate for peace, in our world that is desperate for joy, in our world that's desperate to find a family, Jesus is the one who can bring us into family. We see about the generosity of Jesus. We see about the joy of Jesus. But I also see, and the third thing that I want you to see is we learn about the supremacy of the way of Jesus. The supremacy of the way of Jesus. Now, verse 15, it says, John, in verse, verse, chapter one, John pointed out Jesus and called, this is the one, the one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He has always been ahead of me and he has always had the first word and we all live off his generous abundance, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses and then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus, the Messiah. John says, Jesus is the one. We, we learn in this story about the supremacy of the way of Jesus. Now, John juxtaposes Jesus with, with Moses. He said, we learned from Moses and that was a great start. And Moses was kind of like the, 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 the babysitter that kept the people of God on the right track and kind of headed in the right trajectory. But Moses was always pointing to the true Messiah who is Jesus. Now, 
These stone water pots, what are they for? These six stone water pots that are there that Jesus uses, they were, were they ornamental furniture from anthropology? Were they just some sort of aesthetic touch? Just nice decorations? No, these six stone water pots were, were the cleansing, the ritual washing that the ancient Jews would have partaken in. I want you to see in John 2 verse 6 in the, the message translation, it says six stone water pots were there used for the Jews for ritual washings. Now they had an elaborate elaborate scheme of ritual washings. If you touched the, a dead carcass of an animal, you, had to, you were unclean and you had a seven-day purification time. If you touched a dead body, a human body, you were unclean and you had to be outside of the camp for seven days. If you were, if you were a woman on your cycle, you had to, there, was a, there was all this ritual washing that you had to go through. And so these six stone water pots represented kind of a rigid system and it was really good for them. Remember, they were coming out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt and these people didn't know how to be free. You can be free, you can be out of slavery, but not know how to live free. So there were 400 years slaves in Egypt and then they're out in the wilderness on their own. So what does God need to do to get these people headed in the right direction? He gives them Torah. He gives them law. He shows them how to build a a society. He shows them how to forgive. He shows them how to stay clean. And by the way, these, these ritual washing laws were really important because they didn't have sanitary hospitals in the wilderness. So some people are like, oh, God's just this, you know, cosmic curmudgeon trying to make life different. No, he's trying to keep them from getting sick and having epidemics wipe them out in the wilderness. So wash your hands and be clean and be sanitary. So these six stone water pots that were there represented the old Jewish system that worked for them for a time. But Jesus takes those stone water pots and he repurposes them. And those water pots would have had water in them. And now they have wine in them. Jesus is trying to show them, I have a better story for you. I have joy for you. I have blessing for you. I'm going to take your system that you're used to and it's worked for you okay, but I'm going to inject it with the supernatural bounty of heaven. I'm going to open the windows of heaven over your life and pour out blessing. The ways of Jesus are better than the ways of our old system. We have rules about who we will work with and who we will forgive and who we think is okay and what tribe we'll associate with. And those are our ways. And we've gotten really accustomed to those ways, but Jesus shows us a different way. He takes our old forms and he fills it up with the wine of heaven. He takes our old routines and he trains us in the ways of everlasting life. Jesus takes what we've been used to and if we will let him fill us afresh, we'll see the water get turned into new wine. The ways of Jesus are better than the ways of Moses. A long history of ritual cleansing, and Moses was organizing the people, but Jesus now was leading these people into a different kind of life. I'll say it this way. Through Moses, God gave the people water from the rock, but through Jesus, the God-man gives us wine from the rock. Think about it. Moses is in the wilderness and the rock, do you remember this? They didn't have wells. The rock gushed water and it fed all of the Hebrew people for 40 years as they wandered through the hot, arid wilderness. So water from the rock. There's these rock stone pots and they were, they were used to 
to having water in them. But Jesus says, I'll take the rock that gave you water in the wilderness and I'll give you wine instead. The ways of Jesus are better than our ways. You can learn from lots of people. You can learn from Gandhi. You can learn, you know, Buddhist thought is back in and Hindu spirituality is a boutique fad among young, rich, white people. You know, little, you, know uh, you can do womanist retreats out in the woods and reconnect with your body and practice grounding exercises and all of that yoga stuff and that's cool. I, I've gone to yoga, I love it. Guys, you can run out into the mountains and try to recover your primal scream. Rawr, right? Like, that's fine, that's cool, that's great. Nothing will satisfy you like a relationship with Jesus. Nothing will heal you like a relationship with Jesus. Nothing will teach you to bless your enemies and to pray for those who curse you like a relationship with Jesus. Nothing will give you wisdom and peace in a troubling time like a grounding communal relationship with Jesus. Friends, you can try everything you want, but ultimately those stone pots will just give you enough water to eke by. But if you will let Jesus come be the master of ceremonies, he'll take, he'll take those forms and he'll fill them with the wine of heaven. Jesus is the one who was. Jesus is the one who is. Jesus is the one who is to come and his ways are better than our ways. There's nothing like loving Jesus. There's nothing like letting Jesus come and take the water that you have and make it supernatural bounty. We learn about the supremacy of the ways of Jesus. We learn about generosity of Jesus. We learn about the joy of Jesus. But in this text, Here's the fourth thing, the final thing that we learn. We learn about the power and the authority of Jesus. In this text, we learn about the power and the authority of Jesus. Now, I had you read it right at the top of the sermon, but verse one, it says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The Catholics are really good here with their biblical imagination. The Ignatians and the Jesuits, they're really good with their biblical imagination. And on this text, John chapter two, his first miracle, it says on the third day. The third day in the biblical world is frequently one uh, of new birth and transitions from old to new. Third day is a really important theological statement. Third day, there's a new world that's being birthed on the third day. And it's on the third day when Abraham sees the place where the Lord provides. He takes his son up, Isaac, and he's about to sacrifice. The whole thing, it's this journey. And God's promise, you've given me a son and now you're asking me to, to give my son back to you. And he's scratching his head and his heart is broken. And this doesn't seem just. This doesn't seem right. God, what are you doing? You're confounding me. It doesn't make sense. And then on the third day, he sees a ram caught in the thicket. Look at the Lord's provision on the third day. On the third day, we see God coming to meet with his people at Mount Sinai. They'd wandered through the wilderness. They'd crossed over the Red Sea and, and they'd stepped out. And finally, they come to Mount Sinai and God says, hey, you know, settle down for just a minute. And then a storm brews and, and, and the lightning and the thunder come to the top of Mount Sinai and Moses is called up and, and they go up to the top and all of a sudden on the third day, the presence of Yahweh descends and God meets with his people, Exodus chapter 19, and he gives him his 10 commandments on the third day. 
It's on the third day that we see the Lord revives his fallen people. Hosea chapter six says, come, let us return to the Lord for he's torn us to pieces that he might heal us and he's wounded us that he might raise us up and on the second day he'll do something great but on the third day he'll restore us. Hosea chapter six, we see on the third day, it's a day of new life. It's a day of transitions from old to new and on the third day it's when Jonah's life is saved and he's brought up out of the pit the belly of the great fish on the third day, Jonah is spat out onto the shore and he gets his mind back. He gets his future back. He gets his soul back. He gets his compassion back for those Ninevites who are going to hell in a handbasket. God had to get his attention and tuck him away in the depths of the earth and in the darkness of the dungeon of the, 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 the great fish's belly. But on the third day, there's new life. There's transition from old to new. It's on the third day that we see God doing great work. And in fact, it's even the third day of creation when the plants that make wine possible were first brought forth from the earth. I love that. On the third day, God creates a world in which wine becomes possible. Fruit and and herbs and the garden and the lushness of life and the blessing of life and the superabundance of life and, 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 and just... the fecundity of creation, the the, the fruitfulness of creation, the blessing of creation, the regeneration of creation. It's on the third day that wine even has a future for itself. And of course we know it's on the third day that the son of God himself, fruitfulness and life and blessing and death was cursed on the third day. And life was spoken of as God's final movement in all of creation on the third day. Friends, I want you to see that Jesus, here in his first miracle, was showing us where he was going to take the world. On the third day, he goes to a wedding, and the wedding, they did not have enough for themselves. They couldn't produce what they needed for joy. They couldn't produce what they needed to sustain their celebration. And isn't that like us? We cannot sustain our own lives. We cannot sustain our own joy. We cannot provide for ourselves what we need to laugh our way into the kingdom of God to come. But Jesus shows up on the third day at the wedding and he takes the old forms, the old Moses story, the old human story that they were used to the rock just kind of surprising them with water occasionally. But now on this day, Jesus takes the rock And he causes the water to be turned into wine. And friends, I'll tell you, if you will stay with Jesus, you will find yourself caught up into joy. If you will stay with Jesus, you'll find yourself caught up into a life of generosity. If you'll stay with Jesus, you'll find that his ways are superior to our human ways. And if you'll stay with Jesus, you'll find his power and authority. In the moments where you think it's all going to fall apart, somehow, some way, Jesus is gonna cause your cup to overflow. This first miracle that we see from Jesus shows us what he's going to do to set the world right and in fact it gets us ready for that great text in Revelation 19 we see the final act of creation is the wedding supper of the lamb and I want you to read this as the band comes and we get ready to receive communion this is the perfect story and the perfect setup for this text tonight then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude 
like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, this is heaven. And they're crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory. Why? For the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. They go on to say it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. In verse nine, and the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Jesus in his first miracle shows up in a human story that is devoid of provision, in a human story that is not going to be able to sustain its celebration. And Jesus takes the water and he makes it wine. And that was a great thing. And it was a beautiful week-long celebration, but it was not just a one-off What Jesus was doing is right at the launch of his ministry, he's saying, this is where I'm taking the world and I'm taking the world toward the marriage supper of the lamb. And if you will stay with Jesus along the way, there's going to be a great day when there's no more tears and no more sorrow and no more suffering and no more funerals and no more mourning and no more hatred and no more trips to to the hospital. Why? Because Jesus Christ is going to make all things new. And at the marriage supper of the lamb, you know what he's gonna do? He's gonna break open the wine of heaven and it's gonna be the finest cuisine you can ever imagine. You can read about this in Isaiah 25. You can read about this in Revelation. Jesus is going to seat us at his father's table and he's going to break open the wine of heaven and he's going to say, drink up friends for the old order of things has passed away. Can you say amen tonight, church? Would you stand with me? Can you close your eyes and quiet your heart here? And would you invite the Holy Spirit to now speak to you, to stir you, to challenge you, to wake you up? I know in my bones that tonight the Lord wants to bring us back into joy. I know that he wants to roll off the heaviness. I know that he wants to heal us of our unrighteous anger. I know that he wants to cause us to laugh and to celebrate and to be swept up into his generosity tonight. So maybe some of you with me need to repent of your unrighteous anger. Maybe some of you need to repent of the false mandate on your life to fix everything in the world. Maybe some of you tonight need to walk away from the notion that you can use politics as a way to be happy. I, I just see it. I see it. We th- it's like a joystick that we're trying to use to manipulate our way towards safety. You won't be safe politically. You'll be safe if you live with Jesus. You'll be safe if you, if you rest in his presence. You'll be safe if he's your king and your Lord. You'll be safe if he's your provider. And so tonight, Jesus, we repent. Would you repent? Would you give your heart back to Jesus tonight?
Would you ask him to heal you tonight? Would you ask him to train you in joy again tonight? Would you ask him to teach you how to laugh again tonight? Would you ask him to teach you how to celebrate again tonight? Jesus, would you come do it all over again? Multiply, take our water and turn it into wine tonight, Jesus. Some of you haven't been able to relax. I just sense this prophetically. You haven't been able to relax in years. Like you live on edge. You live kind of bowed up and protecting yourself and looking around, seeing what, where the threat is. I just pray tonight that, that Jesus would give you the cup that overflows and that you would just settle down again and relax again and go to bed tonight really well and receive his rest. So Jesus, we invite you to heal us to the deepest places tonight. We need your joy. We need your generosity. We need your authority. We need your power. We need your love. So we call on you afresh. Friends, I'm gonna invite our communion servers to come forward. And some of you are new and every week we come through the room to get the cup and the bread. And this is the perfect thing. Tonight, somehow, someway, by the spirit of God, Jesus is gonna give us the cup. And he's going to bring us into his joy and his, his peace tonight. He's going to give us the bread. He's going to feed us and satisfy us. So we're going to worship the Lord tonight. If you're physically able to come through the room and get your communion elements, do that. If you're not, tap your neighbor. They'll bring you an extra. But we're going to worship Jesus right now. Grab your elements. Go back to your seat. And in just a few minutes, I'll come back and we'll receive together. Come and worship Jesus.
robes of white, the blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints, my gates transfixed on Jesus' open your communion elements and be ready to receive. Jesus is here right now. Communion wasn't just a thing that happened 2,000 years ago and we just get together and go, oh, that was cool and we just commemorate. No, like by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're at the table again. And he's here right now to heal us. And he's here right now to restore us. And he's here right now to make us well to the depths of our being. And so tonight, can you close your eyes and start to imagine, do you see yourself sitting across the table from Jesus? Can you see his eyes tonight? Can you see his compassion tonight? Can you see him looking you in the eyes tonight? And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, remember me. Friends, tonight, remember Jesus. For the rest of your life, remember Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Jesus is where the joy is. Jesus is where generosity is. Jesus is where life is. And so as you receive the bread tonight, I want you to just see yourself taking in the very life of Jesus. Friends, this is his body broken for you. You may receive on the same night he took the cup of wine and he said this cup is the new covenant and it's given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins and as often as you do this do this for the remembrance of me I think I should say right now 
That even in this moment, Jesus says this is about forgiveness. This is about a new start. And I'll just say to you tonight, for whoever this is for, as you receive the cup tonight, Jesus is even taking you into a new relationship with alcohol. Okay? Some of you don't drink. That's beautiful. That, I, that, great. Stay there. Others of you have too much of a relationship with it. And tonight, Jesus can heal you at the table. Jesus can set you free from addiction tonight at the table. Jesus can set you free from dependency on the, the substance tonight at the table. Jesus can sober you up tonight with the cup of the new covenant given in his blood. Jesus can heal us to the deepest, darkest places of our existence. And there is no shame to bring that addiction to the table. Bring it and let him heal you tonight. So friends, as you receive the cup of the new covenant given in his blood, let him heal you of every sickness. Let him heal you of every disease. Let him heal you of every sin that so easily entangles. Some of you, even tonight, as you drink the cup, you need to say, Lord, I give that over to you. Take it from me. Heal me. Restore me. Make me sober afresh. So tonight, Jesus, we invite you to heal us in every way that we need healing. We invite you to forgive us. We, invite, we receive your forgiveness. We receive the fresh start. We receive the hope of a future and a new horizon that's unfolding in front of us. Lord Jesus, heal us and forgive us tonight, we pray. Friends, you may drink of the cup. Let's sing this song. Jesus, heal your people tonight. 
One more little chorus. We're going to go into all the earth. We'll shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. But here's the thing. When the enemy takes us over, you know what he steals from us? He steals our voice. When I'm lethargic, when I've walked away from God, I'm quiet, I've lost my voice, I've lost my song, I've lost my shout, I've lost my vigor, I've lost my ability, I've lost my prayer. And tonight, all like I, these bones will sing tonight. Like I know that the Lord wants to give celebration back to us. I know the Lord wants to give joy back to us. I know the Lord wants to stir up generosity and power and authority. And so tonight, if that's you and you've sensed you've lost your voice and the enemy has gotten you quiet and you've kind of gotten smaller, I want you tonight to get your voice back and to shout and to sing, Great Are You, Lord. So all the earth will shout Come on, church. Let's do it. Come on, these bones will sing. These bones will sing. Great Are You, Lord. Yeah. open your hands to receive the blessing as you go I pray that you would be shocked this week at the joy of the Lord that is your strength I pray that you would laugh until you cry this week God is my witness that's my prayer I pray that you would just find 
blessing everywhere you go, that you would find hope everywhere you go, that you would find delight everywhere you go, that you would find kindness and God's goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life. I pray that your cup would overflow this week. And so Lord, bless my friends. Keep them. Make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lord, lift your bright, smiling countenance upon us and grant us your shalom, we pray tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for another beautiful night in his presence? Real quick, real quick, we've got a prayer team. That kid just did a cartwheel. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Could you come do one up here? Would you come do one right here? Is that okay? Come on, dude. That was amazing. Yeah, here, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me just, let's just do this right, okay? So give us your best cartwheel right here. Yeah! Hey! Do that this week. Amen. You must. If you're 70 and under, okay, 60 and under, do a cartwheel. And I'm not paying for your chiropractor, okay? Prayer team is down here if you want prayer. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.